Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Quack Report. My name's Carter, and I'm joined by Nate, and we're going to talk some Ducks hockey with you here. Um, as little Ducks hockey as possible, because we are back yeah. to uh, it being pretty rough here in Orange <laughs> County. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I, I, I honestly don't really have the words for... You know, even calling it a shit sandwich is being too generous for it. Like, yeah, like it's it's not even you don't even get bread to like make it a little better. Yeah, it's just it's like a moldy shit sandwich. Yeah, take the okay. You, you know the part in uh, the original Jurassic Park where Jeff Goldblum's character just like it's 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 purely a just for laughs scene, mm-hmm. right? Where it just kind of zooms out on him taking off his glasses to this giant pile of shit and just goes, that's a big pile of shit. Yeah. Okay, now imagine that pile of shit is not solid. (laughs) It is just diarrhea spread out everywhere. And it's all over the dinosaurs. It's all over the vehicles at that point. And they're just like driving through it all, basically. You can't see anything. It's all just brown. That, That's an image right there. That was that game, honestly. I, I, I hope that nobody listens to this during like breakfast or anything or on oh, their I lunch ho- break. I, I, ho- like, I what, hope they do. Like, I hope they a, do. What a way to ruin your Monday. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? The Anaheim Ducks and their lackluster play ruined my Friday, um, along with That's you know fair. schoolwork and whatnot. But like, God, and you, you know what? I'm, I'm sure their play as well ruined it for everybody that unfortunately paid for a ticket for that game when they were... I'm assuming on a holiday, right? That's because true. Thanksgiving yeah. was the Thursday, right? So I, I'm, as a, I'm guessing as the whole family, like an yeah. afternoon outing, you're going to go exactly. to Honda I'm Center told- with your kids, your cousins, yeah. your brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles. Like, yeah. So I'm guessing that the majority of people there, at least, had the day off, right? Like whether they booked it or it was just a like a given thing, right? Well, I would imagine that people who were at work were not at Honda Center unless you work at Honda Center, but yeah, but like, yeah. But like the the majority of people that are at Honda Center paid money to go see that shit park, basically. <laughs> and it's like I feel bad for those people. Like that was brutal right from the start. Yeah. Right from the start. It was brutal on the ducks end. It was brutal on the officiating end as well. And that's something that we'll get into later. Um it was just, yeah, brutal all around. So, like, if I didn't have to talk about this game, I would have shut that off. If, if I'm not watching the game that night kind of thing, like, as it's happening, mm-hmm. right? It's normally because I have, like, something else going on, but I'll go back and, like, watch the, you know, like, the condensed version of the game or, like, the highlight packs, whatever, mm-hmm. to be able to talk about it here on this show. I would not have taken a look at this whatsoever if I did not have to talk about it. Yeah. Because it was just a, even to just have it on in like the background for portions as I was trying to do like some homework on Friday, that felt like a waste of the use of my ears that could have been utilized for something else. You could have been watch, listening to a podcast, listening to music. Exactly. Yeah. I, I could have literally, literally anything else on anything in the background. Else. Yeah. 
Exactly. You so, could have enjoyed and, silence, maybe. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I could have just, yeah, been in, I could have gone into an isolation room, driven myself mad because I can hear my own heart beating. And that would have been more fun for me than listening to that. Yeah. And seeing what was going on as well in that game. It was brutal. And it only surprisingly got worse throughout the game just to like encompass the whole thing. Cause I was, uh, I know you didn't get the chance to see it like right as it was happening, mm-hmm. um, but I was kind of keeping you filled in. And uh, I'd even said like that um, this is just like lackluster, like especially by this like halfway point of the second period. Like that's like for sure not a whole heck of a lot going on. And then I want to go back to your thing from a couple episodes ago of like the team just seemingly like looking like they've given up. Mm-hmm. That was that game where the whole team looked like they just gave up outside of Max Jones in the last five minutes to say, screw you, Talbot, you're not getting a shot out today. Yeah, right. Like that was it. That outside was... of that, that entire team was not there. And I'm not even going to make the joke blaming it on Thanksgiving turkey and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Even Thanksgiving turkey could not put you in that much of a fucking coma. <laughs> it was just like honestly, that was one of the worst performances I have ever seen. Not even just out of this team, but just in general watching hockey in like I'll say the last five years. And I've seen some horrible games, but that was that was horrible. I'm sorry for anybody who paid for a ticket for that. Yeah, you should ask for you should honestly ask for a refund. Yeah, like, I mean, you're not going to, but like <laughs> yeah, like it's that's terrible, honestly. Yeah. Um yeah. well, yeah, I, I just honestly just forgot that there was a game on at one o'clock until I got the notification at the end of the first mm-hmm. that the score was two nothing. And then I was like, okay, well, I mean, I guess I can maybe tune in for the second period. And then I, I got distracted, didn't turn it on, and then I saw that it was four nothing. At some point in the second, I was like, yeah, no, there's like, I'm not, why would I turn that on? Like, exactly. nothing about that says, oh, I should turn that on. Let's see how bad the Ducks are doing. Yeah. Like, no, why? Why would I do that? Like, and don't so. get me wrong. Like, there's a lot of fans even like, uh, that are, like, obviously that are like fans of this Ducks team that understand that this season is not going to be great. Mm-hmm. Right. Like from the get go, they understood. Right. Same as us. We yeah. said like our projection, I think was what? Sixth. Because we were like, okay, there's been some improvements here, but it is going to take some time for like guys to get used to each other. Mm -hmm. Not looking at a playoff spot, but like you know, they should at least be better than a couple of these teams here and there. Mm -hmm. There's been absolutely nothing. To go back to last episode, it's bad that we were celebrating a regulation win at the end of November. (laughs) At the end of November, as big as we were. Right. Like, I know I made yeah. the joke of like, oh, we're celebrating this like it's a Stanley Cup win. But like, yeah, like just like that's that shouldn't happen. Mm-hmm. Like that is it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Money Puck right now has the Ducks, the chance of the Ducks making the playoffs. And it's not even December yet. So we're like we're at the Thanksgiving mark. Right. Which is where. You know, like a lot of people will say, like, okay, like this is this is the point 
if you're in the playoffs, I think it's like 77% of teams that are in a playoff spot at American Thanksgiving are the teams that end up being in the playoffs uh, come April. Mm. Yeah. Right. And already at American Thanksgiving, we are at a 0.9% chance of making the playoffs. Which is basically like the St. Louis Blues um, from yeah. 2019. Like that is, the, that was, that's like the chance of you being able to replicate that. Yeah. It's, it's like, it's like something has to give, especially after this game, right? You let the yeah, senators, you, you, you think so? You let, yeah. you let the senators, who, mind you, they haven't had like a horrible time scoring necessarily, but their defense mm-hmm. hasn't been there either. You let the Ottawa Senators go three for eight on the power play. And meanwhile, you go 0 for six on your own. Special teams alone. That is horrendous. Right? Yep. Yeah. Like, um, like, don't get me wrong. Talbot played lights out in this game. The guy put up a 969 save percentage and a 2.28 goals saved. Right? Mm-hmm. The Ducks had their chances. Don't get me wrong. But they only had a few and Talbot was up to the challenge for it. Outside of that, though, there's not a whole lot going on. The Regenda Carrick Lundestrom line, who only played five minutes and 14 seconds, mind you, a five on five time, which was fourth on the team for forwards, had the highest expected goals for at only 0.51. Yeah. You're... And that that is an example of like your fourth line being the only line that's in it because if they're not in it, they get scratched. Like that's just how it yeah. works. So like they they have to, no matter how bad it is and how low the mood is on the bench. These are the guys that are basically always going to be um, putting in their best effort. So yeah, so, and nobody else was. I, I would say after no. the first period, like it, they came out like, okay, we have a chance, and then after that, it was yeah. From yeah. from what I saw from the highlights, since I have said I obviously did not watch the game, yeah. I did not bother there. But so again, we were talking like a few episodes ago of how like in the post game interviews, right? These guys are just like they're looking like disappointed upset at this point right Mm -hmm. and even the i don't know if like quote unquote the hero of this game for anaheim max jones right because he was able to score the only goal with like two and a half minutes left in the game yeah right is like on the verge of tears basically like this is tearing these players apart Mm -hmm. and i don't think it's that they aren't playing they're not playing team defense, mind you, but like they are still playing a team game. There's no individuals on mm-hmm. this team, right? Yeah. So like this is like this is an entirely a like the and it, like it goes back to like what you were saying of like once we see the team on ice just out of it kind of thing. I think we saw it officially in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So something's got to give. I and I, I've been seeing others, uh, you know, with the same thought process as me now. Of like, okay, there has to be a like, there has to be somebody or an idea in mind of who Verbeek wants as a coach. And mm-hmm. until that person becomes available, we're stuck with Dallas Eakins. And I think it was, yeah. uh, I, I think it was uh, CJ Woodling on Twitter had said as well that like. 
you know, if you just put Stothers in or one of the other assistant coaches, right, There's it's not really much of a change, which I do agree on, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I mean, hell, you can look at Stothers and go, okay, I get it that the defense, the defensive talent is not necessarily there right now. But even mm-hmm. when they were there, this power or this penalty kill was horrible. And that's that is his group. Yeah. Right. So like it, it's it, I'm almost at the point of okay, not even just Dallas Eakins. Clearhouse. That sounds oh, yeah. horrible to say. No, but yeah. No, I think Clearhouse. So. Yeah. Like you're you're not doing like guys like Ryan Strom, uh Vetrano, Henrique. Silverberg, even right, like these are guys that that know the NHL game, right, mm-hmm. and know what they need to do to keep up with it in a way, right? Mm-hmm. As much as this game has become a young man's game, as we talked about in the last episode, the what the average age in the NHL is twenty seven, right? Yep. Um, as much as this become has become a young man's game, the young guys still need to learn the NHL game in a sense, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They aren't going to do that though when not even that they don't have a teacher, that they have a lackluster teacher that doesn't give them any benefits whatsoever. I like I I'm I'm at the point of, of firmly believing that everything we have seen out of Troy Terry, out of Trevor Zegris, out of Jamie Drysdale, out of Mason McTavish like just to name four guys off the top of my mm-hmm. head has been purely been on their own merit. There's or from like, say guys like gets or Strom, yeah. Henrik, like the guys that like the veterans on the team that yeah, like say Strom, we brought in basically to teach Mason McTavish. Yeah. How to be a top six center in the NHL. Like, and I think we've slowly seen that develop throughout the season. Gets was super important with um, Trevor Zegras last year. Like, so I'd say those guys, those veteran leaders in the locker room and um, what they've learned in San Diego, mm-hmm. again, from guys on the team or the coaching staff, and it, it's harder for us to comment on that since we don't watch the Gulls games. But Yeah, um, plus, plus the San Diego coaching staff did all just change over this last offseason. Yeah. Um, but I haven't seen it. I've seen very little development of like coachable things or like things that y- you learn from the coach coaches. Like I, I haven't really yeah. seen that from any of these players. So it's yeah. Like I'm with you that, yeah, they're, they're waiting for the right coach because this team is building an identity and you need a coach that is going to fit that identity. Um, and then you also need to wait for them to be available. But at a certain point, having just any coach that's not Dallas Eakins is better than just a different perspective as a whole. Yeah, exactly. Like, fuck, you could you could put one of us behind the bench. It, like, you could put Ryan Getzlaff behind the bench. You could put uh, the homeless guy who lives like near the <laughs> deli around the corner from your house. Like, it doesn't matter who is back there at this point. It just needs to be somebody new. That's yeah. it. That's all. That's all you need for the rest of the season. The season's a write-off. It's done. If you make the yeah. playoffs, like that is a miracle at this point. 
Yeah, and uh, honestly, it could be even more of a miracle than St. Louis in 2019. Yeah, yeah. right? So, so, but it, it just needs to be somebody different be, because we have seen that lack of effort that like that that nobody cares anymore so yeah it's it's it's, so something needs pat verbeek needs to do something and at this point it's either you need to make a big trade or you need to change up the coaching staff and i i don't know why we would make a big trade because like who's going to want to come to anaheim and who is going to be available that is going to fix this team like, yeah, Jacob Chikrin is probably available. We are hurting on defense. We could probably use a good defenseman on a good deal, but he's not going to want to come here. Why Why and, would and he nobody, come here? And I, like, as much as Chikrin has been hurt as well, I also, I don't think it's wrong to think as well that, like, he hasn't been acquired by anybody because, yeah, NHL guys get hurt quite often, right? Unless mm-hmm. your name is Phil Kessel, for current yeah. guys at least. Um but like outside of that, it's nobody wants to pay Arizona's price. Yeah. Right. Which yeah. And so why would totally it, why it is a ver- it is a very high asking price. Yeah. So and yeah, there's no way that Anaheim is going to want to, and I don't know that Arizona would even want them to because actually uh, no sorry, Arizona would love that actually from Anaheim for the yeah. draft picks especially. It, it, it's essentially uh, the best. Like they, Anaheim has a better chance at Connor Bedard than Arizona does right now. So yeah, like, a lot better of a chance. <laughs> yeah. So Arizona would eat that shit up. Like two high chances at Connor Bedard, and if you don't get him, you still get like two first round picks in any other year, probably. Yeah. Like you get that guy from Russia whose name I always forget, Michkov or something like that. Uh, Michikov, I think. I, I don't remember offhand. Anyway. Yeah, so, something so, yeah. like that. Um, and then the third guy is like still a probably a top two guy in any other draft that doesn't yeah. have these elite franchise like generational talents or projected generational talents, I should say. Yeah. So like it's just a massive draft. So like even if you end up with the third or the fourth pick, you're still getting awesome players. Yeah, absolutely. But, and and th- think about it this way too. You have guys on your roster who have already played with Bedard mm-hmm. and also in high stakes situations, right? Yeah. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically the World Juniors, Mason McTavish playing team playing on Team Canada with Bedard, mm-hmm. and if I'm not mistaken, Jamie Drysdale as well. Um. Well, it wouldn't have been last year. It would have been two years ago. I. Th- and and Bedard was sixteen and no, but I think no, he was he seventeen got, in last year. I, so also oh, maybe I think he got brought onto that team here. You're right. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you want to double check that. So, but at least even with McTavish, because those two are both forwards, right? Yeah. You already have familiarity there with each other. Hmm. So it's it's it feels so far away. It's 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 what I was saying earlier. I'm just going to reiterate it. We all knew that the Ducks were going to be more losing than winning this year. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I would just rather see 
closer games than us losing 5-1 to the team that at the time was only one spot ahead of us. Mm-hmm. Right? Like the yeah. consistent... <laughs> if there's one thing that's consistent on this team, it's uh, embarrassing losses. Which, that's not a yep. good thing, right? Mm-hmm. That's not going to do anything for your guys. And like I said, like that's where kind of the scary thought of Trevor Zegers, Jamie Drysdale, like upcoming contracts, like, it kind of scares me. They don't yeah. want to be in a situation like that either, even if they know that the team is in a rebuilding phase still, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Um, in So... In 2021, uh, that was the bubble World Juniors that happened literally just before the start of the NHL season. Right, um, yeah. So Drysdale was on that team, uh, but Connor Bedard was not. Okay. So, um, and I guess that kind of makes sense because any guys that would have been eligible but also could have potentially played on the NHL teams wouldn't have been like they would have been allowed to go because the NHL teams weren't playing games at that point. Yeah. Um, so there was a lot of other, a lot more guys to choose from then. Yeah. Um, in that case. So I would like to also believe that Pat Verbeek is a smart man and a smart move, in my opinion. I think, I think we talked about this before. Let Mason McTavish go to the World Juniors this year. This year. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, fuck. Like, like what, in less, we're gonna in less, keep him on the team because he's helping us like get into a playoff spot. Like, y- yeah, yes, he is helping us be <laughs> a better team. But no, he's not pulling us into a playoff spot single handedly. He's also not really helping us when he, he he gets put on the fourth line. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's right. third line. Sorry, this he's, time. sorry, he's, he's third moved line up to the game. third yeah. line now. Yeah, no, he's good. But <laughs> right, like, let let him go succeed for a for a couple weeks mm-hmm. right yeah and let, let him just dominate and get that confidence yeah. and then bring it back again. exactly even so. more even more confidence right than the the way he's been playing lately which honestly like i i don't have a whole lot of issues from yeah considering again like the teachers around him and the fact that he's doing as well as he is mm-hmm. right like sure there's mistakes here and there the guy's nine, like 18, 19, right? Mm-hmm. 19, I think. Uh, like, if he's not 19, he will be soon. Yeah. So, yeah, the kid's going to make mistakes, right? Yeah. And he's learning from them. But it's, yeah. And. Oh, no, he is 19. He'll be, sorry, he'll be 20 at the end of January. Okay. So, either way, he's still. He's still very young. young. Yeah. Right. And. Yeah, and if you're if you're looking ahead to the future, yeah, you got a potential partner there in Connor Bedard. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> Let him go develop more chemistry before yeah. Bedard is potentially even part of this team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if so, <laughs> if um, the whoever the coach is going to be for Team Canada uh, at the World Juniors, if they're smart, they're going to put Bedard and McTavish together on a line and make it work. And then they're going to get the Anaheim Ducks coaching job that should be available next year. <laughs> and then they're going to put those two together and just reap the rewards. Like, this is the best 
Um, should be available next year. Should be available as soon as the World Juniors are done. Well, yes, at the latest. Okay. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> but this is like literally the best um, resume, I guess. Yeah. For uh, have they named the head coach for Team Canada's uh, World Juniors? I am not sure offhand, to be honest with you. I, I don't know. I mean, they would have had to, right? Because I feel like they did. Uh, Team Canada announces coaches. This was on November 9th. Um, familiar faces as Everett Silvertips coach GM Dennis Williams takes on the head coaching duties after serving as an assistant during last year's event. Along with uh, Sherbrooke Phoenix coach Stefan Julian, uh, who's the head coach of the Holenka Gretzky Cup in the summer, and then Lethbridge Hurricanes coach Brent Kissio and Sarnia Sting coach Alan Latang, and then Kelly Gard, most recently the goalie coach of the Prince Albert Raiders, will serve as the team's goaltending consultant. So Dennis Williams, um, like you said, head coach and GM of the Everett Silvertips. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is currently his sixth season behind the Silvertips bench. Okay. Um, under the Silvertips has been fantastic for those six years, or like yep. at, at and, least uh, last year. And he and he also has a guy on his team by the name of uh, Olin Zellbaker. Fuck! If Pat Verbeek does not hire <laughs> Dennis Williams, there is something like, wrong. It is a massive jump from the WHL to the NHL, right? That is a massive jump for anybody, player, coach, yeah. doesn't matter. That is a massive jump. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy that's gonna be that's gonna have worked with a few guys that you no know, could be on our roster. Mm-hmm. Um and uh yeah, here, you know what actually because Everett has it here. I'm just gonna read off this guy's resume. Just okay. as we're we're already doing the coaching search. <laughs> All right. So okay. under Williams in the sixth, so in the five years, I guess, because we're partway through this season. Mm-hmm. So in five years, under Williams, Everett has earned four U.S. division titles, three conference regular season titles, and one Western Conference championship. Um, his uh, record in the WHL is 203-66-11-11. Wow. And uh, last, just last summer, he got promoted as well to GM. Um, he has also had 11 NHL draftees since 2018, which is the second most in the WHL. He has had 16 of his players sign pro contracts at the NHL or AHL level. Mm-hmm. He's earned four gold medals at IIHF competitions. Um, with as well four different players. Uh, Carter Hart might know him from Philadelphia. Uh, Ronan Seely and uh, Olin Zellweger, and mm. uh, Dustin Wolf as well, who's just still been tearing up the AHL uh, over the last couple of seasons. Um, for Calgary's affiliate. Um, 
he has the best overall power play percentage and penalty kill in the Western Conference since 2017, uh, which the power play percentage is just south of 25%, and the penalty kill is 82.4. Those are damn good numbers. For the WHL, especially. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, if, if you haven't heard us talk about the WHL before, it is a high-scoring league. It is mm-hmm. flying hockey. Yeah. Um. He has the his teams has the best goals against average in the WHL since 2017 at 2.29, as well as the low (laughs) for the WHL, as well as the third best goals per game since 2017 at a 3.63. Damn, he has a goal. He has a gold medal uh, from last year's World Junior Championship as an assistant coach. Mm-hmm. And he won. Uh, he's a two-time winner of the Western Conference uh, Coach of the Year in 2018 and 2020, and the U.S. Division Coach of the Year in 2022. That's just like some of the accomplishments that he's had. And then you like, you could go into those like some of those players that he's coached, mm-hmm. right? And, and Where, see what they've done. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like. Uh, like I'm taking a look here at just like the shortened uh, 2021 WHL season, yeah. And just from a goalie standpoint alone, uh, Dustin Wolf is four of five awards here for 2021. Mm-hmm. Wow, that like his like any of his guys, uh, any of his guys won. Mm-hmm. So like just on the like the goalie level i guess yeah um and uh two of his guys shared the division like goal goal scoring title Mm. so just completely nuts and oh yeah uh four (laughs) of his guys um were named to the division all-star team that's, that's pretty good. <laughs> out of out of six guys, four out of, of them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Um, so I just want to com- do a little comparison here because um, I'll admit I'm a little rusty on the path a person takes generally to get into a head coaching role in the National Hockey League. Um, yep. And it's it's different for everybody. It's not quite as clear-cut as like a player will say. But um, we'll take Andre Tournier, who is the current head coach of the Arizona Coyotes. He started uh, last season with them. Um, And I figured that was a very good comparable because it is so recent. Um, And so Tournier started in, um, essentially in the QMJHL um, as a GM head coach for many years uh, Mm -hmm. before he became the um, assistant coach in... um, for the World Juniors for Team Canada um, during those years in the QMJHL as well. Eventually, he moved up to be an assistant coach for the Colorado Avalanche from 2013 to 2015, um, and then assistant coach of the Sens from 15 to 16, which, no, that wasn't their cup year, or their cup run year. That was the year before. No, it was the year, yeah, it was the year before. Um, and then... Uh, back to the QMJHL for a year, then flipped over to the Ottawa 67s of the OHL uh, to be their head coach for a while. Um, and then assistant coach 
of the Canada World Junior Team in 1920, head coach in 2021, um, followed by the World Championship assistant coach in 2021, and then was named head coach. So kind of a back and forth between assistant Mm -hmm. coach in the NHL and head coach in the juniors before eventually getting head coaching role. Just to map Dennis Williams very briefly here, um, head and assistant coach in the NCAA for a while and various other college leagues, head coach in Everett um, in the WHL, and then that's kind of it. So I could maybe see him being an assistant coach uh, in the NHL, not just immediately jumping into a head coaching role, but I think an assistant coaching role with a veteran head coach at the helm um, could be beneficial as like a, let's groom Dennis Williams to eventually move up to the head coaching role under, say, a guy like Bruce Boudreau, um, Ken Hitchcock, Barry Trotz, like those veteran guys who have been around mm-hmm. for a long time that are just looking to you know, make a couple more million bucks over the next couple of years and um, set up a team for success, both in coaching and in um, in their players. So I, I think it, it might be a bit of a step or a, a leap to make Dennis Williams head coach right away, like as of yeah. next year or this year. But I think you bring him on as an assistant coach as soon as possible. Okay, here, I got another idea. Okay. I do I do like yours though. I'm not dismissing it. Oh, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah. You bring Roy Summer up, you promote him, mm-hmm. right? He's your head coach in San Diego. And then that's where you get a guy like Williams to be the new AHL coach. That's possible too. Right. Kind of get him there. Theoretically, he'd be working with um similar guys that he's either seen in the WHL or coached, like Olin Zellweger. Yeah. And let him get his footing. And then because Summer mm-hmm. is Summer's a lot more of an AHL coach. I think that does show on his resume, right? Mm-hmm. But it's, hey, this is at least somebody who can fill in for the time being. And if you would like it, the San Diego job can be yours, but we have this guy in mind in particular. It's It maybe doesn't sound the greatest maybe for Summers, but, mm-hmm. or for Summer, but it does kind of, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just spitballing ideas here. Yeah, right? no, and I mean, it's, it is another option too. You're still bringing yeah. on Williams into the system, uh, but then you're also rewarding um, Summer for a summer or summers. Summer. Summer for S-O-M-M-E-R. a O M M E R. Okay, you're you're still rewarding him for a job well done in yeah the AHL, um, yeah. and he and he'd be familiar with a lot of these guys as well um, in like McTavish, Segrist, Drysdale, like a lot of the younger guys. I I would say. Yeah, or and I, I know say. some people might even look at like the at like the idea of even just bringing like it, like removal like Williams from the equation, because that's us just a total, Oh, Hey, here's an idea throwing something at the wall here. There is mm-hmm. nothing like connected of Anaheim and uh, Williams whatsoever. Yeah. But even just bringing summer up as well for hell, even the rest of this season, right? Like, Hey, we're bringing you up here. We're putting the interim tag on you. That doesn't guarantee that you have the job. But just somebody else needs to be here. Yeah. Right? It can't be Eakins any longer. Mm-hmm. All yeah. right. It, my, it just it, it can't be Eakins any longer. Yeah. My only issue with that is you have to and, and there could be, again, I don't know this far or this deep into the system. There needs to be a plan for 
um, keeping the gulls relevant, for lack of a better term. Like, yeah, okay, you can take Summer and promote him to the NHL, give him the interim tag, and say, if it doesn't work out, you'll head back to the AHL. But you need to have a assistant coach in San Diego that you're comfortable with promoting to that temporary head coaching role or say a coach from the ECHL or a longtime friend of Pat Verbeek that has coaching experience that he is comfortable bringing in to develop these young guys. Like there needs to be, by doing that, you create a um, chain of events, I guess, that then needs to happen. Whereas if you just bring in a new guy, that's a little easier. So I'm not saying that it can't happen, but um, there there does need to be that. Um, I think... I think the, the, you need I, to solve that chain of chain reaction. Is I what think I'm trying to say. I think it could work actually because both uh, Jason Clark and Chris Spar, um, this is also their first year as assistant coaches for the Gulls, right? Mm-hmm. Verbeek did clear house on the Gulls already. Yeah. So the guys that he that he hired and brought in, right? Mm-hmm. I think they do. Um, or like Verbeek would have the confidence in them for the rest of the season, right? Potentially, yeah. It's so, it's a little more delicate like, because these are guys that you want to. Generally, they're guys you want to be playing on your NHL roster at some yeah. point. So you need to, um, you almost need to have a better coach in the AHL than in the NHL at this point for the Ducks, um, mm. the Ducks and, franchise. But mm. I don't want to say better, but like. You, know, you need to have you know somebody I mean? that can still handle a head coaching job because I think we talked about yeah. that before as well, right? That like, um, like it it almost takes like a certain something to be a head coach. Yeah, so right? a, a certain personality trait. Yeah, of, of some sort, or yeah, one of a small few personality traits. Yeah, so I think out of if you're if we're looking at uh, between Clark or Spar to be that fill in for San Diego as the head coach, mm-hmm. right? Uh, that would be Jason Clark. Um, he did. Uh, he was head coach um, in the QMJHL for both uh, uh, Shawinigan and uh, Acadie uh, Bathurst um, in okay. the QMJHL. Um, and uh, yeah, Clark had guided uh, Acadie Bathurst to a 40-22-3-3 and record Um finishing fourth in the Eastern Conference and third in the Maritimes Division for the QMJHL. Okay. Um, and uh, he's also been like a head coach and GM for the uh, Carlton Place Canadians of the Central Canada Hockey League. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was that he was the head coach there, especially from 2009 to 2021. Okay. Um, leading that team to uh, four championships between... Uh, 2014 and 2017. So, uh, yeah, four straight championships. <laughs> um, and uh, three championships for the Canada Junior Hockey League uh, tournament from 2014 to 2016, um, as well as berths in the Canadian Junior A National Championship. So, okay. I think yeah. like, so like that's a, a guy who can numbers, handle yeah. the head coaching responsibilities for sure. Yeah. Uh, Chris Barr, his uh, his career is a lot more of being a he's specializes being an assistant coach. Yeah, and it's been a, a little bit shorter compared to. The yeah. So, but guys. yeah. So, so I think yeah. there, there you go. I think we figured out a, a succession plan, Patrick. You could implement this tomorrow, and I think it would be 
all the better for primarily the Ducks young guys up top. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this was definitely a long winded way of saying a change needs to happen. Yeah. It's, it's past the aspect, point of no return. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't he, have anything else yeah. to really say about this game. Um, uh, it so. wasn't even like overly about the game. No, it was just, yeah. okay, here's the game as an example of many we have seen, but this is the one that is like the nail on the coffin that something needs to change. Yeah. As much as we got that regulation win against the Rangers on Wednesday, fingers crossed still, which is horrible, I know, to have fingers crossed for somebody getting fired. But for the sake of this team, fingers crossed you could still have something done before Tuesday against Nashville. Yeah. Or and I mean, yeah, like we still have Seattle, right? Tonight. Yeah, like uh, if yeah, you haven't figured it out already, we're we're recording this um a few hours before the game against the Seattle Kraken that will end off the Anaheim Ducks road trip here. Um and the bar is so or incredibly home, low home stand, second, homestand, yes, sorry. Before they go on the road. The bar is so incredibly low for this game. Like already I don't think that anything that happens in this game is going to change the outlook on the season, you know? Yeah. Um, and and I would be shocked if this was a dominant win anyways. Like, Yeah, no. It's not, not going to happen. <laughs> this, is, this is not the Seattle Kraken that we saw last year and in game one of this season. Of this season, yeah. Um, sorry, I'm going to correct my thing. Not before Tuesday against Nashville because that is a road game. Um, they'll the Ducks will go on a four game trip here between the 29th and uh, December 4th. Mm-hmm. I'm calling the fourth or fifth at this point because then you get back home for a week and then you go on the road again. So sorry, you're saying after the road trip, but before the couple games at home is when the change yeah. is going to happen. See, I think that's already I would, I, why. I think, like, why would you give? like that that road trip like why why would you give Dallas Eakins that road trip that's kind of the boat boat that I'm in there it's not for Dallas Eakins it's for summers or it's for it's for summer that's then he's just not instantly on the road with a team that he's new to it's you know assuming Eakins would be done on the fourth coming home from Winnipeg, mm-hmm. right? Okay. Monday, uh, or hell, even Sunday, you come up, you do the opening press conference, you get a couple practices under your belt before you play Carolina on the Tuesday night. You get a couple more practices in before okay. you play San Jose. It, it gives you a little bit more time with the team where everybody is comfortable, I think, mm-hmm. at home. Before you go out on a road trip with them, yeah. So I, that, that's that's my reasoning for it. Otherwise, I would say absolutely just get them out as soon as you can and mm-hmm. bring in and yeah. bring in summer. But I I do understand what you're saying, and I agree with it in one aspect. The alternative view of it would be, um, let's send the team out with summers summer. Sorry, as the head coach, and yeah, you're not really going to have the time to get a good practice in 
but things aren't just going to change in a couple practices anyways. I think yeah. the important part is building the relationship between Ray Summer and the guys that have not been coached under him before. Mm-hmm. And the best way to do that is on a road trip where you are going out for yeah. meals together and sharing the same hotel room, sharing the same, I guess not mm. bus, plane, because this is a fancy club. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, so... Yeah, no, you, you I, might I, not I see like the, you, you won't see like the big system-wide changes over this road trip, and they'll, there will probably still be losses and, and big glaring holes in the system and, and big mistakes, but you, you're not going to blame that on Summer because he literally just showed up to the team and hasn't really had a good chance to practice. But that relationship between the players and uh, the new coach will develop over this week. So then when you do come back home and you are able to get that practice in on Monday before Carolina and Tuesday... Um, before the Tuesday morning as well, and then those couple days off before San Jose, then whatever Summer says, you'll have that trust already built up and that willingness to maybe change things from that you've learned over the last four years from Dallas Evans. Yeah. So that's that's the alternative argument there. I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. Yeah. It's just no, no, no. And, and I, way, so. I totally agree with what you're saying about the road aspect of it. My yeah. thought was just like have the home portion of it first. Mm-hmm just to get everybody warmed up to the idea before just suddenly, hey, there's a new guy at the front of the plane that is like who is who's suddenly commanding the ship here, right? Yeah. It's okay. Just have the little bit of a build up and then go on that road trip and really build that up with him. So that's that's yeah. the reason for my thought. Yeah. But like the the road yeah, no, idea though sense, so. the road idea though we both have. I think it's just yeah. the idea of what we think would be best first. So yeah. but yeah, it's it's at, at least we both ideal, fully agree yeah. though that it is it, it is unfortunately fortunately unfortunately however you want to look at it from a humor perspective it's unfortunately time from a hockey business perspective it is fortunately time to to end this relationship with the Dallas Eagles. It needs yeah. to be done. It should have mm-hmm. been done a while ago, but like. And I get it. If if it is the whole idea of that the guy that I'm thinking of or the idea that I'm thinking of is not quite available just yet, right? Mm-hmm. That's fine. But for the sake of the future even of this team, right? I, I don't feel like you can wait any longer for that thing. You, I mean, you can still wait for it, but something better needs to be in place for now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So oh, for it's, sure. Yeah. It's kind of like, hmm. Okay. It, it's like okay, you get into a car wreck. All right. Okay. <laughs> and not that car wrecks are funny, but I'm just surprised yeah. that you went there. <laughs> so you get into a car wreck, but at the same time, you were kind of wondering about getting a new vehicle anyway that would fit better <laughs> with what you do today, right? Yep. However, though, in the meantime you're not going to continue to drive around that car that's barely working if it is, right? Mm-hmm. You're probably going to get like a rental vehicle or, you know, like borrow a vehicle for a couple of weeks until you're able to uh to to get the vehicle that you do want, Yeah, right? You're, you're going to test the market a little bit. You're going to see what works, what doesn't. You're going to Exactly. Yeah. So the, you're the gonna rent a, <laughs> yeah, you're gonna rent like say a Palisade. You're gonna rent a Civic. Like you're gonna see what yeah. what, what, what fits. An SUV, exactly. a minivan, a truck. 
you know, yeah. options. You want, a, you want a nice pickup truck, but at the moment, uh, it's either, okay, I'm going to drive my, or attempt to drive my beat-up Corolla, or I'm going to suck it up for a little bit and uh and, and use the rental uh, uh use the rental caravan yeah right it, it's a lot better than having to push the beat up car for over half the trip right yeah so yeah. what well strange said. strange analogy i know but that was the best <laughs> i could come up with. no i so think like, i think we could have saved worse i think we could have saved half an hour by just coming up with that analogy right off the bat but we got yeah. there <laughs> um so well, anyways, that we just absolutely jumped into that game and then jumped totally into something else. Um, so we've got. Uh, I think there's only one other thing I wanted to touch on. Oh yeah, really no, no, go for anyway, it. If you would show, like, or like, oh, for for the game. oh for the show, oh for the game, yeah, yeah go for, for the it. game. Yeah. Sorry, um, purely just uh, okay. The the hit that Strom had that he got the penalty for for I think it was, it was boarding or cross checking. Yeah. yeah, it wasn't Whatever a great was. hit. Anyway, yeah. my favorite part though was watching it back and you see Strom's reaction to him realizing, oh, the guy I have to fight is Brady Kachuk. <laughs> yeah, he threw a couple punches and then he took a couple and he's like, I'm just going to lay down. Yeah, because like I tried. That's good like, enough. <laughs> like he hit the guy and he turned and he did, like he he expected a fight was coming. Right. Yeah. Which. Yeah. Good. Good on. Yeah. Him, he probably right? made the hit and was like, "Ooh, I shouldn't have made that. I'm probably going to have to answer the bell. Yeah, he knows. exactly. He knows. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. He knows. But then you, but then you turn around, and you go, ah, fuck. Okay, yeah, not exactly who has. Okay, fine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's funny because like you just see, like you see his reaction. I can't make out what he said exactly, but he does say something. Like as he looks at Kachuk, he kind of like says something and like looks off to the side, like kind of like ah, fuck. Yeah. And then like and like it was looks probably like a go easy then, on me, please. And like then they grab and go. And I was just like, oh, that is perfect. That is perfect. The, yeah. the one of the few bright spots in that game. So yeah, yeah, that was that was pretty good to watch. But yeah. Um okay. We uh we're gonna leave this game behind us now. Um there's really not much more to say. Uh we will take a quick break. On the other side, we have hit the quarter season mark. Um actually we're at 21 games, so a little past the quarter season mark but i'm um, just going to go through the team in general and, and where they are at in the various stat categories it's not all doom and gloom don't worry there is there is some very very bright spots um and then and we've got uh you know the regular stuff for the rest of the episode here and I, yeah i can't decide if the quarter mark of the season has come fast or if it's come insanely slow and it feels like we should be the halfway point yeah, I know. At design. Yeah. <laughs> but we'll talk about that in 60 seconds. Hockey fans, light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pre-game money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with the same game parlays. Combine multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot at an even bigger payout. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN, bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game, and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details.
All right, so we are going to jump into some stats here for the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, specifically, we will start with team stats. So, points for the Ducks um, in the 21 games played. Most are of hard to come by. <laughs> <laughs> for everybody not named Troy Terry, who is at a point-per-game pace currently, 21 points in 21 games played. Um, when was the last time we had a point-per-game player on the Anaheim Ducks? I don't think it's been as long as we've been doing this show. Why do I want to say it's like Corey Perry? It probably has been, yeah. Or or Ryan gets like, like around the, the time player. when Getzlaff yeah. was there, yeah. Um, yeah, if we look quickly back, um, did not have point per game player last season in 2021. <laughs> oh, definitely <laughs> not. Yeah, definitely Jesus. not. <laughs> uh, and then 1920, I guess, was the first year we did this. Uh, no, definitely not there either. 1819 maybe. Nope. I don't even know then. I think I think I straight up think it might have been like 17 it, 18. It probably was, yeah. Or 16 um, 17, yeah. Yeah, Ryan Getzlaff um had 61 points in 56 games in 17 18. Um Yeah, that would have been our last point per game player was Ryan Getzlaff in 17 18. Raquel was close, 69 points in 77 games. Uh, Corey Perry that year, 49 and 71. Um, so not him. But yeah, it's been a while. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, sorry, really quickly, just because I saw it pop yeah, up here. Um, CJ Woodling, again, on Twitter, uh, sharing a clip of uh, Connor Bedard, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. Um, I'll actually be just south of Regina over Christmas break, and I already asked my girlfriend if we could go to uh, to the Pats against uh, the Wheat Kings. I'm oh, like, yeah. just so I can pay thirty bucks to go see Bedard before I have to spend like a minimum hundred dollars <laughs> to go see him. Yeah, and uh, it sounds like we will probably do it. So sweet, nice. Um, but yeah, so CJ just uh, retweeting this and like saying like, "Come on, Ducks fans, you can." possibly tell me you don't want this kid in Anaheim next year. Uh, the caption reads, Connor Bedard has another one. Make it 21 goals and 51 points over his current 23-game streak. Not only is he almost a goal a game, he's just like, what is that? So you said 51 and 23? That's two points a game. That's nuts, man. Who the fuck does that? And put, and put it this way as well. Last I checked, the Regina Pass, I think we're sitting 7th out of 10 or 12 teams in the conference. Oh, yeah. It, it is It is literally Connor Bedard on yeah. that team just carrying it. <laughs> but and there's, a great there's a great tweet here that's like, psh, he's not even a goal per game player. He has how many points? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, Troy Terry point per game pace uh, right now. Eight goals, 13 assists for him. Trevor Zegras, uh, 17 points in the same 21-game span there. Um, followed by Adam Henrique and Ryan Strom, each with 11 points, uh, although Henrique uh, having missed a game for the birth of his child, which we will allow to happen. Um, <laughs> only, only once, like, every year, though, can you get away with that one. <laughs> Just, I right away went to... Um, oh, uh, was, it, was it... Is Mr. Chang on Community, right? Yeah. Yeah, just the, senior senior Chang or senior Chang, right? Yeah, 
Um, yeah, the, I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then rounding out the top five on the team in points is Mason McTavish with 10 in the 21 games played there. So there was a sharp drop-off after Terry and Zegris, but you know at least we do have um, contributions from throughout the lineup. So generally, oh you know. <laughs> um, in terms of goals, Troy Terry just, and Trevor Zegris sorry, both tied. Just, oh yeah, go ahead. Just to say, just like rating off the points alone, again, I think just supports my point of these guys are doing this in spite of Dallas Eakins. Yeah. Whether you want to say it's just like, oh, even though he's around in spite, mm-hmm. or if you want it to be in spite of yes. Dallas Eakins. <laughs> literal, literal spite, yeah. Yeah, like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, Yeah, Trevor Zegers and Troy Terry leading the team in goals, both with eight. Uh, Adam Henrique with six, Strom with five, and then v- Vitrano and Comtois each with four um, there as well. And just because we like talking about McTavish, he has three in 21 games played. So, uh, And then assists, Troy Terry leading again <laughs> with 13, <laughs> uh, Trevor Zegers with nine. So really, really the assists is the difference between Terry and Zegers in terms of points yeah. on this team. Mason McTavish, Fowler, and John Klingberg um, – all three of them with seven. And then Strom is that, that sixth guy with six points. I'm going to correct my statement, actually. Okay. Mason McTavish is putting up points in spite of Dallas Eakins. There you go. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. The other guys are too. But McTavish especially, right? With, like, mm-hmm. the stats that I read off, like, last uh, last episode of him, like, averaging 13 minutes a night and yeah. still, like being in the top rookies and in the top three in assists and uh, your top five in points. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Imagine if this kid was utilized properly. Yeah, right. <laughs> Where would he be? <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, man. I, I didn't. I wasn't planning on going through shooting percentage, but uh, it is kind of interesting, so I do want to mention it. Um, yeah, please do, because I actually don't. Yeah, Trevor Zegras leads the team in shot percentage with 16% um, and his eight goals on 50 shots. Um, Troy Terry... Um, that is something oh, sorry, that I have could pretend... Like, it's a little high, but it could be manageable almost. Yeah, uh, Comtois also with 16, but four goals on 25 shots, so he's shooting a lot less. Adam Henrique and Strom just, um, just a little over 15%. And um, both of them, 38 and 33 shots, so not not a ton there either. Troy Terry has turned into a goal machine this year, obviously, because he's leading or tied for the lead with eight goals. But 70 shots, which is a high for the team, and 11.4% shooting percentage, which is, like, again, a little high, but, like, sustainable. Mm-hmm. So he, uh, he he is doing it just through sheer volume, but also, like... It, it's going in for him. So yeah, like the, like a Troy Terry one is a hundred percent manageable. I think. Oh, like that's a, that's a realistic one, and like that's still decent. Yeah, like Troy Terry's is one that could still go higher. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. And then uh, Frank Vitrano, he, he uh, second on the team in shots with sixty-two, but just snake bitten with a six point five percent like shooting percentage. Um, so I, I think eventually the tables will turn. Yeah, for him, and I mean, he's never been like a super high goal scorer. He is more of like a a volume 
Yeah, shooter, volume guy like, and like giving chances. Yeah. Yeah, but still, like his career shooting percentage is ten point one percent. So like, there is yeah. room to still grow there, and he could turn into a decent twenty five ish goal scorer on this team if given the proper supports. So. Um, okay, I know. I sorry. I know you have the stats up. I'm. Yeah. I did find it, and I'm just kind of like flipping through a couple things here. Yep. So without pulling it up yourself, okay. I want okay. you to minimize the window for a second. Okay, it's gone. Yeah. Just take a guess. How many guys are, we'll say zero and up for a plus minus? I know this isn't a stat that we normally take a look at unless it's like egregious. Mm-hmm. But just as a team, how many guys have a zero or higher? in their plus minus category. My heart says zero, but I'm going to give a little bit of credit to a couple guys. I don't know who they are, but I'm going to say there's two. There's actually four. Oh, okay. Can I can I try and guess sure. who some of them are? Um I'm going to say um I'm going to say that Cam Fowler. Oh no. Yeah, uh, you know what? It's Cam Fowler. Is he on the list? Uh no he is oh, not okay, uh, in um, fact he's near the bottom of the list <laughs> okay yeah that I thought I said that and then I was like no I feel like not but maybe um maybe uh like a more depth guy Max Jones I feel like he's 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 never really on the ice for a bad goal against uh Max Jones is only two spots better than Cam Fowler oh fuck okay <laughs> <laughs> apparently I'm bad you know what Trevor Zegers uh Trevor Zegers is if he's third last I'm gonna scream no Trevor Zegers <laughs> is a uh, 14th out of 23 guys okay so yeah I'm not good at this just just go ahead okay from uh so in fourth spot with a even zero and 11 games played is Nathan Bullew okay okay I could see that uh in third... it's very easy to not be on the ice for goals on this team when you're in the penalty <laughs> box for fighting yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which which gets even better here. Just wait for it. Don't um, say Sam Carrick. <laughs> in third spot, uh, with 20 games played, Adam Henrique with a plus one. Okay. And this is where I'm just like, I don't fucking know anymore. In second spot, with 17 games played, Mr. Kevin Shattenkirk. <laughs> wow. See, that thought crossed my mind, so I was like, that would just be so ridiculous. There's no way, but... <laughs> Wow. Okay. And in first spot, with six games played and a plus two, Sam Carrick. Wow. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, like the like the plus minus stat is just ridiculous until it's like egregious, right? It yeah. doesn't overly mean anything until it's like super bad or super good. Mm-hmm. Um and like for Carrick as well, his average time on ice in uh, those six games is seven minutes and fifty-one seconds. So, damn, take it with a grain of salt. But <laughs> what? Sorry, what am I missing here? That Max Comtois has forty-four penalty minutes. <laughs> what? I've seen that too. Is Jesus Christ? Did he get a? Okay, November 9th. He has 12 minutes in penalties against Minnesota. Did he fight that game? I feel like he fought. Yeah, he did, if I remember correctly. November 9th against Minnesota, yeah. Um, and then he has 17 against New Jersey. The, like, these have to be 10-minute misconduct, right? They have to, yeah. 
for those. Yeah, they would have to be. Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah, Minnesota. Let's look at because it's that's like blowing everybody else out of the water. So it goes Max Contois with 44 minutes to Nathan Beaulieu with 28. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Oh, yes. In that game, Comtois, Zegris, and Benoit all got misconducts, and Comtois also ended up with a roughing in that game against Minnesota. So that's where the 12 minutes comes from there. Right, because that game was just an absolute shit show. Just a disaster by the end of it, yeah. Yeah. And then... um. And then against New Jersey, that was on the 18th. Is that the one? Yeah. Sorry, that Kevin Shattenkirk is actually a plus a plus two is still baffling me right now. Mind-boggling. Yeah, I don't get it. Um, he is he I'm I'm assuming by looking at his stats as well, considering he only has five assists. Um, he just happens to hop on the ice and they score. Mm. <laughs> Like that has to be it, right? Like, yeah. Um, um my my the, favorite my favorite thing though is uh, Sam Carrick uh, only being back for six games is already sitting nine penalty minutes with six yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's funny. He, he was like, I gotta fucking make up for it. He's had some catching up to do. Um, yeah, that game against New Jersey was Comtois got uh, two, five, and ten for the instigation. Um, oh right, that bullshit. Okay, so, yeah, which makes sense. So, um. Jesus Christ, though. But yeah, still, it's it's wild. Um, yeah, Comtois. Uh, unfortunately, no Lady Bing in your uh, in your in your near future, bud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you know, after the top guys, there's a sharp drop off. But like we've talked about on previous seasons, the the Ducks have kind of scored by committee, anyways, and we've just been missing those top guys to really take the charge. Yeah. And now we. We have one we have, in Troy Terry. We have Trevor Zegris, who is only going to get better, and he will be in the conversation yeah. for, but potentially in the conversation for Art Ross trophies in his future. Um, and then we have Mason McTavish, who is is still very young yeah. and will, will be very good. And we will talk and, more about him when we talk about rookie scoring. But, yeah, and um, the, the fact that all three of these guys, like the oldest is 25. Right? Yeah, right. Like... We we have what we've been asking for, at least. In, yeah. a, in a few guys who will like take the charge offensively, which is awesome to see. Yeah. Uh, hopping over to the goalies now. Um, Anthony Stolarz and John Gibson are the only two goalies who have played for the Ducks so far this season. Both of them, uh, very similar numbers, actually. And they would be, as you would expect, if you have watched any of the games so far. Uh, Stolarz with a 3.9 goals against average, which is uh, the better of the two goaltenders there. Gibson not far behind with an even four goals against average. Uh, and then save percentage, Gibson leads with an 8.95, and Stellar is not far behind with an 8.87. Um, in 16 games played this season, John Gibson has a 4.11... Oh, I got 4, an 891. 8.91? Yeah, that's what I got here. Uh, I have an 8.87, so... Oh. Weird. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. Sixteen games played for John Gibson, four eleven and one record. Yikes, not good. Yeah. Um, in nine games played, five starts for Anthony Stolarz, a two a three and zero oh record. Um, so, not much better. But I mean, in, in the limited starts that he's gotten, he's in the, had, the limited yeah. games that he's been the goalie of record, it's uh, 
not bad, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to add the goal save above expected. Yeah, uh, please do. Lars leads that with a negative 1.4. Okay. Um, and Pretty uh, decent. John Gibson with a negative 4 even. So that's at least nope. better. Yeah, he has better than it was. It, yeah. But... Um, well, well, I feel like last time we talked about this, it was about 10 games into the season. So for Gibson, like 8 games played or whatever. And he was at a minus 8. So that means since then, to average it out, he was, would have had to be a zero to get it to an average of minus four. Yeah. So he's so, been just where he should be, and he's just suffering from the early season down in the dumps. Yeah. Um, I'm taking a look as well uh, for the NHL. Uh, minimum 10 games played for goalies. Uh, John Gibson sits uh, 28th out of 31 guys with that yeah, negative 4.0. Yeah. Um, Okay, one more time. I'm gonna say. Okay, let's let you can you can guess the guys. Who are the bottom three goal save above expected in the NHL? Minimum ten games. Uh, Phil Grubauer. Uh, no, is not showing here actually. Okay, maybe he hasn't played ten games then. Um, what is a possible? Yeah, I'm not. Uh, yeah, no, he hasn't. I oh, okay. actually know okay. that offhand. So yeah. Okay. Um. Minimum 10 games played. Uh, Jack Campbell. Uh, sits 30th with a negative 8.9. Yeah. Um, saw that coming. Um, who else would be down there? I want to say Kemper, but I feel like he's been pretty hot and cold. So, like, he would probably be somewhere in the middle. Uh, Kemper? is sitting 11th actually at a positive 3.4 okay okay um maybe i'm, I'm just like really feeling his bad games because i got him in a couple yeah. fantasy leagues yeah. yeah um but okay uh who else would be down there i'll give you um, one more guess yeah sounds good uh east or west um or is there one in the east and one in the west yeah pick your pick your poison <laughs> okay uh well i picked Jack Campbell from the West. So I'm going to try and think of an Eastern goalie. Um, who's been not fantastic so far this season in the East? Um, oh, Columbus. Uh, Corpsalo, then? Um, it's not him, but I am trying to find... Find where he's at. Where he's at... Maybe he has also not played 10 games. Yeah, I don't think so. Because I'm not even seeing Columbus here, actually. Oh, wild. Um, oh, yeah, they've had three goalies. Um, Terrasov yeah. played six, Corpusalo eight, and Merzlikens nine. Okay. Well, that was a wasted guess then. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, just below John Gibson in 29th spot is Sergei Bobrovsky. The negative 5.2. Really? Hmm. Then you have 30th with Jack Campbell at the Edmonton Oilers, negative 8.9. And then uh, just a little north of us, a little west of Edmonton, Thatcher Demko still with a negative oh, 9.1. I should have got there. I, I really should have got that one. That, that was an obvious one. 50 goals against over 13 games. Yeah, that's not good. And and then he's he's last in goalies that have played over 10 yeah. games. Yeah. Um, and to compare to John Gibson, Gibson's played 16 games and has had 59 goals against. So three more games, 
nine more goals against. So, okay, yeah. So probably about the same then, actually, in goals against average. Oh no, maybe not. Um, who's that? Vancouver. It says like actual goals against average because I don't want to do the math. Um, um, uh, Three point eight seven. So actually better than Gibson. Yikes. Yeah. But again, Gibson's had some stinkers. Like he's he's laid some big fat turds already this season. Not that Demko hasn't, but see, for some reason, I'm having different numbers than you. I got Gibson both from the NHL and Money Puck here at a point eight nine five. I was I was his goals against average a four point Oh, sorry, I was yep. looking at save percentage. Yeah, yeah, okay. save save percentage. <laughs> I, I have eight nine five as well. So okay, and then uh, yeah, Thatcher Demko, I have a save percentage of eight eight two. So not a whole okay. heck of a lot better, but yeah, or actually, or not like Gibson, not a whole heck of a lot better. Yeah. Um, okay, and then let's go to the rookie scoring race, just because we are invested in Mason McTavish. Um, like, I mean, yeah. one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He's technically ninth in rookie scoring with ten points, but he is in a like five way tie with Perfetti, Pinto, Addison, and JJ Paterka for that fifth spot. And then there is a four-way tie for that second spot with 11 points. So he's really only one point back from Johnson, Matthias Michelli, Fabian Zetterlund, and Jake Sanderson. Um, and then Matty Beneers is running away with it so far with 15 points. Um, so, like, yeah, looking at McTavish in that ninth spot, you're like, oh, yikes. But it's actually a really tight race if you take out yeah. Matty Beneers. Like, he's... Um, he he's like a two point game away from being second, and uh, yeah, if you wanted to try to put down some money on him with uh, or on Mason McTavish winning the Calder still for mm-hmm. uh, with DraftKings promo code THPN there at sign up, uh, Mason McTavish is currently sitting at a plus one thousand two hundred. Okay, so that's odds. a decent return. Yeah, yeah, uh, the guys that are ahead of him. Cole Perfetti, Shane Pinto, Jake Sanderson, Logan Thompson, and Matty Beneers. Right, yeah. I guess you got to take uh, Thompson into account, who yeah. would not be in your traditional points, goals, assists categories here. Um, but, yeah, it's... Um, I, I would bet that Beneers or Thompson would be the guys. Like, if you were to award it right now, it would be one of those two guys yeah. to win it. Um, but... Obviously, we're only a quarter of the way through the season. There, a lot can change, and if the Ducks can change the coach, get that new coach bump, and then you know actually be decent for the last, what do we have left here? Sixty-one games. Then McTavish could very easily enter that conversation for yeah. the Calder Trophy. So absolutely, if you think that's going to happen, if Dallas Eakins gets fired this week, um, <laughs> Maddie, or sorry, not Maddie Benier, Mason McTavish's. Um, Draft Kings odds will look a lot more interesting. Yeah, it could look a lot better. Yeah. So, um, and then the last few stats I want to go through here, just some general team stats, um, like power play and penalty kill percentage, <laughs> which we already know where those are at. Anaheim Ducks have now dropped to the lowest power play percentage now that Columbus has actually scored some power play goals. <laughs> Let's go. We're number one. We're number one. <laughs> well, that's one way to put it. Uh, 11.3% the Anaheim oh. Ducks are sitting at. Still better than that 8% from a couple seasons back. Um, but Philadelphia comfortably ahead with 14.3%. 
power oh play. Um, <laughs> net power play percentage, which takes into account shorthanded uh, chances and all that, or shorthanded goals against and all that jazz as well. Ducks at 6.5%. Columbus, 12%. The team just ahead of us. So our net power play percentage is awful. Just absolutely horrendous. Yikes. Let's, actually, you know what? Let's, let's get into that just a little more here. Um, sort by net power play percentage. Yeah, so on 62 power play opportunities, the Ducks have scored seven goals, um, and they have allowed three shorthanded goals for a power play differential of four, which is also the lowest in the league. Awesome. Hence, hence the terrible... Um, net power play percentage here. Let's awesome. I um, love it. <laughs> thankfully, we have not given up the most shorthanded goals. We are tied with quite a few teams for, with uh, I guess seven, eight teams for third place with our three shorthanded goals against. Uh, Vancouver has <laughs> given up four, and you'll never you you would never guess the first team. So I'll just tell you, it's the Tampa Bay Lightning. We've given up five shorthanded goals. Rip. All right. <laughs> they, I mean, they've scored 20 power play goals. So <laughs> there's that. And, uh, and Vancouver has scored 22. So like their, their net power play percentage is still decent. But uh, yeah, Anaheim not doing well there. Oof. And then just to talk about the penalty kill. I know I said this wasn't going to be all doom and gloom, but we've gotten past the exciting positive stats now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're in the doom and gloom stage. <laughs> Yeah, uh, Anaheim 65.8% on the penalty kill behind Vancouver with 67.1 and St. Louis with 68.8. After that, all the teams are generally pretty average. Holy shit. Guess who's top in the league for penalty kill percentage? Uh, I'm not... Oh, for sorry, say that one more time. For penalty, for, for penalty kill percentage. Who has the best penalty kill percentage in who has the, the league? Oh, man. Um... Who's been doing really well defensively this year? I'm going to throw a crack at like the Winnipeg Jets or the Dallas Stars. Uh, Dallas is up there with uh, third with 83.2. but um, And then Boston is ahead of them with 84.3. Winnipeg's fifth, 82.4. The The first place team has nine, is 90% on the penalty kill. Jesus Christ. Okay, through, who is it? Through 23 games, the San Jose Sharks. What the fuck? All right. Yeah, right. That's Those are the, these are the kind of stats that just make me go, I know nothing about the sport. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, we don't watch a lot of um, San Jose Sharks hockey, but um, it's the it's the one thing that they apparently have going for them. Like Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. On sixty um, times, being shorthanded sixty times, only sixty times so far this season. That's not even lowest in the league. That's wild. Um, anyways, on 60 times shorthanded, they have given up only six um, power play goals against. Uh, scored no, no shorthanded goals, um, which I guess is fine. So their net penalty kill percentage is right where it should be. But yeah. Um, and then Anaheim Ducks, for comparison, 67.1% on the net penalty kill percentage, having given up. 27 power play goals on 79 um, times being shorthanded. 
and we have scored a singular shorthanded goal, which I don't even remember when that was. I feel like it was recently, though. Yeah, I don't remember offhand either. Yeah. Um. Anyways, so that's where the team is at. There, there are quite a few bright spots in terms of points and and scoring, and, and Mason McTavish is obviously uh, keeping his head above water in the rookie scoring race, as we expected. But geez, talking shit over here. Um. But yeah, the the team stats as a whole are not where you want them to be, and the defensive stats in particular. Plus yeah, minus goaltending, not... <laughs> special teams, all that jazz. So yeah, not overly. Um, so we will talk about this in another twenty-ish games, which should be um, ten and fifteen, uh, mid-January or so. We'll have a uh, yeah, mid-January. We'll probably talk about this again. That'll be about the halfway point. So wonderful birthday present for me. <laughs> Yeah, um, yeah. January fifteenth or fourteenth, fifteenth would be the epi- the day we record the episode. That would be the halfway point. So about a week before your birthday. Sweet. We play Buffalo <laughs> on your birthday, so I love it. <laughs> you know that maybe for your birthday you'll get a Ducks win. Just maybe. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. But, yeah. <laughs> um, you were frozen for a while there, but your computer figured it out. It was uh, it was good. Yeah, on my end, everything seems fine. You're still frozen for oh, me really? now. So oh, I, I think it's still trying to figure out a little bit of something. But if I'm okay. if I'm still here, we're good. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. So okay, well, we uh, we got a couple quick things to wrap up the episode here. We've got um, something that uh, we were tagged in by, or that. Well, no, you tagged me in this, sorry. Um, yeah. And this is a tweet from CJ Woodling, who we've talked a lot about uh, them today. So this is the yeah. CJ Woodling episode. But he said a few days ago, Simon Benoit trying to score between the legs in front of the crease is the biggest dick energy move I've seen <laughs> of a Ducks player this season. And just in case you missed it, um, I, I've reacquired the clip, I suppose. Found the clip. Stop trying to use such big words, but here we go. I'll share it for those watching us on YouTube and Twitch, which you can do at Quack Report Pod on both of those platforms if you feel like you're missing out. Um, but here is the play with the uh, shot from the point and just the beautiful move by Simon Benoit. Doesn't score in it, unfortunately, but man, was he close. <laughs> Defender on him too. Simon Benoit in front of the net for starters, but... Uh, just absolute <laughs> chaos. And I love it. I'm here for it. You know what? Let's yeah. put Simon Benoit as that net front guy and um, and, and just see what happens. And if he, he can pull that shit out and if he scores on that, oh man, I'll lose my mind. Transfer him to a forward then. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, we talked about this on the other episode, um, but just because it's still been in my brain since then, I uh, shall award it. A big energy move. It's a what now? A big energy move. And because it's the biggest. A big energy move. Yeah. There we go. Official. It's official now. Simon Benoit, you have left your legacy on this team and on this podcast. Congratulations on having a just massive duck. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, I love this segment. All right. Oh, we got it's perfect. Uh, <laughs> lastly here, we just have uh, the one upcoming game against the Nashville Predators, which is a 5 p.m. Pacific start, beginning of a road trip for the Anaheim Ducks here. Um, and... Oh, that's right. Uh, I totally forgot that uh, Nashville's arena flooded the other day. Oh, yeah. So we might not actually be playing this game. Potentially not. Um, the games against Columbus and Colorado on, I did that the wrong way, but Saturday and Friday, respectively, there were both postponed due to um, water main breaks. Apparently, three feet of water in some areas. So, I saw it. There's a, there a clip from like their video room. And it's just water pouring into it. Yeah. It that's, is not good. <laughs> that's that's tough. Like, I mean, it's hopefully they've got it figured out and they're in cleanup mode now, but it's not something where you can just be like, oh, just open the door and just squeegee it out. Like, you know, when yeah. <laughs> you pull into your garage in the middle of winter. I don't you know. This isn't even relevant for people in California, but I guess for everybody <laughs> else, you pull into your garage on a January, uh, mid-January day after coming home from work it's blizzarded the whole time um your, your car got stuck a couple times in the alleyway trying to get to your garage and you pull in you kick the snow off the tires and then you squeegee it out the next morning once yeah. you, you pull out because you got just a nice nice layer of water in your garage yeah my favorite part about like doing this show where we're from as well is like there's some things that we just can't relate to with californians there's some yeah. things that they just can't relate to with us in Southern Alberta. Yeah, but Including, we bond over our love yeah. of the ducks and hockey. Yeah, exactly. We just we we just apparently love bigger birds more. Uh, the town next door to us had 20 emus on Thursday. Get loose! Oh God! I, wait, you know what? we're gonna save that for a what's quacking? Um, perfect, like perfect. after this, but yeah, we just, we do just have to, to bring entice that up. people to go. Yeah. What the fuck? What? Yeah. Um. Just, just keep that in mind. Or sorry, yeah, not even use ostriches. Ostriches, yeah. There is a difference. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. I don't know. I haven't seen anything today on what's going on. Um, in uh, that, that does not say Nashville Predators, but thank you Google for <laughs> understanding what I was trying to get at here. Um, what? A, let's see if there's an update from them on if how things are going there. Uh, two hours ago, to all the fans, thank you for your patience. We can't wait to be back. There's an article about cleanup efforts here that I will scan um, just to see if they say anything. Um, well, the players continue pr to prepare for Tuesday's game against Anaheim. Arena staff is working to repair the damage, get the building ready for fans to come back. Um, so no official update on that yet, but it sounds like progress is being made and hopefully... Um, they'll be able to. We had a great schedule for Thanksgiving weekend with expectations of hosting 40,000 fans for the three hockey games, but we were unable to open our doors. We look forward to hosting 17,000 of hockey's best fans on Tuesday for our game with the Anaheim Ducks, and we thank everyone for their patience as we continue with the restoration. So they're... So it um, sounds like we're good for now. They're, they're optimistic that they'll be able to get it under control by um, game time, which will be 7 p.m. local time uh, in Nashville there so hopefully yep. well, 5 p.m pacific yep um obviously nashville with i guess five days off in a row now with a couple games off from columbus and colorado 
Um, their last game was Wednesday the 23rd, a 3 nothing loss on the road to the Detroit Red Wings. Um, and then, yeah, no games on either side of this Anaheim one. So it'll be, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that one is going to go with uh, them obviously not even, I, I mean, I guess they would have been able to practice at like a different location probably. Yeah. Um, but that's, yeah, five days without a game is still uh, still tough. A little bit of a break, yeah. Um, not, and I mean, we say all these things like they're going to matter for the uh, for the Anaheim Ducks, like winning this game or not. <laughs> but like, at what point do you just say, okay, the Anaheim Ducks are like a scheduled win for all the other thirty-one NHL teams? It's a scheduled point. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. I, outside of the one game, unless you're the Rangers. <laughs> yeah, it's a scheduled point, losers. So. <laughs> um. Yeah, and I mean, yeah, Nashville's currently sitting fifth in the wild card race uh, in the West. Twenty games played, a nine nine two record for five hundred on the season point percentage. Mm-hmm. Um, at home this season, they are six three and two, uh, and then their last ten, they've been six three and one. So, so decent. Yeah, I feel like they got off to a rocky start. Like Saros wasn't quite. Yeah, what he normally is, but I think he's kind of righted the ship there. Their road um, game has killed them. They're three six and zero on the road. Oh dang. Okay. Um. Yeah. Saros with a three point oh six goals against average Oof. here. Um. Yeah, those are not Saros numbers. No, definitely not. But yeah, the last few games haven't been good for him. Three, three, and four against uh, Arizona, Tampa, and the Islanders. Yeah, I mean, he's been just streaky. Yeah. This year, like... It's a good way to put it. Yeah, it's streaky. Yeah, like so, some rougher games, um, some good games, and then back to rougher games, and then good games, and yeah, just all over the place. But Lankanen, 2.5 goals against average. Um And yeah, and he's been kind of all over the map too in his, I think, six games that was. So, yeah, I mean, goaltending, you, you might not know what we'll run into in Nashville, but you know what you're getting up front with uh, their forwards, Duchesne, Forsberg, Janot, Niederreiter's a new acquisition, Mikhail Granlund, their defense, McDonough, Yossi, Ekholm. Yeah, like... They're a decent team still in mm. Nashville. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. What do you think about this game here, Nate? What do you think the final score is going to be? Uh, uh, I'm going for a Nashville win, just seeing their home record alone. Um, yeah. Nashville's like a minus 12 in differential. Uh, I just want to see their last couple of games here really quickly. Yeah, sure. Especially at home. Uh, yeah. 4-3 versus Arizona was their last home game. Uh, 3-2 overtime loss to Tampa. 5-4 Islanders. 2-1 Minnesota. 2-1 Rangers. Was so their last five, five, five game point home. streak at home. I'm going to go... Hmm... I'm going to go 4-1 Nashville. 4-1 Nashville. Okay. 
the tricky thing about me predicting a score for this one is the even bigger question mark on Dallas Eakins and the coaching yeah. staff and, and just this team in general, like where, where they're sitting. Um, I, I know we can talk so much about like, oh, hey, like this would be and like this is a, like could be a good plan or that kind of thing until it's kind of like the Ducks winning in regulation until I see it happen. I'm not going to believe that it's going to happen. Yeah. yeah so I'm running fair. on that assumption until we see something happen. Yeah. You know, I guess for like the last week, because it was a week ago that I penciled in this three, nothing Seattle win. And then I left it for Wednesday when we dove in a little deeper. I, I put that in there because I said, this was the game that was going to get Dallas Eakins fired. We were just going to see literally zero effort. And then Pat Verbeek will have no choice but to call an emergency press conference announcing Dallas Eakins will be relieved. And I still think that that could happen, considering the effort we saw against Ottawa and how low the morale of the team was at that point. I don't see this Seattle game. I still don't see it being any different than this 3 nothing embarrassing loss. And the only reason it's not worse is because John Gibson is still going to be making saves and um, Seattle may just eventually take pity on us and just kind of turn it into a game of keep away once they see the effort that we're giving back you know yeah so so with that in mind and Dallas Eakins getting relieved on Monday and then Tuesday is the first game of that new coach bump I'm going to say this is going to be a 4-3 win for Anaheim. Whew, okay. Yeah. All it's right. not going to be the best game, but, you know, <laughs> the offense is going to be high-flying. You know what? Fuck 4-3. That's a basic score. 5-4. 5-4 Anaheim. All right. And this is either going to look genius, how, like, basically a week ago, I, or at the time of the game, a week and a half prior, I predicted the whole chain of events leading up to it, and it's going to look like I'm a genius, or I'm going to look like a freaking moron <laughs> predicting a 5 Either way, point. it's a balls-to-the-walls prediction. I like it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think it's going to go the the other way of that is not happening whatsoever but yeah i mean probably but you know it's fun it's fun yeah that's, it's fun that's what we're here for <laughs> and also just comparing our scores here with uh i mean we, we both have not got either or either one of us have not got both the score and the team correct um but in terms of just predicting the team you've got it right 14 out of 21 times and i've only done nine so i got some ground to make up here so i got to start predicting differently from you in hopes that i can <laughs> rack up some points but yeah so that's there, there's also that you know competitive um gamesmanship <laughs> there which is between the two factor, of us for but, predictions <laughs> yeah which there's literally zero prize on the line it's it, it's not even yeah. like really for bragging rights it's just for fun but um because i'm a competitive person by nature i've got it uh, <laughs> I, I still need to be right and i need to win even if it's not a game so um yeah okay well 
I think that's all we had for... Oh, no, we've got to talk about the ostriches very briefly. Oh, I, I thought we were saving that for the next episode. Oh, we can. I thought we were having the what's what's quacking on the on the Wednesdays. Unless you want me to talk about it right now, because we can talk I mean, about it. We can. St- I still have other stuff that like we could have lined up for for Sunday or for Wednesday. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I don't. We don't really have a ton to talk about for this. It's just like wild that it happened. But um, all right, sure, fair yeah. enough. All right, so Thursday, um, Thursday starts, in southern Alberta. Yeah, in southern Alberta. Um, it's about a half an hour drive from us in a town called Tabor. Uh, come out news reports and Facebook videos of uh, the report was 20 ostriches got loose from a farm and were running rampant. <laughs> yeah, we're running rampant uh, around the town of Tabor, which is not a very big town. What's the, what's the population of Tabor? Uh, a few thousand, maybe. Yeah, it's... Uh, 8,400 as of 2016, so that's a little outdated, maybe. Yeah. Um, sorry, actually, 2020 uh, has 8,711. So it's it's not a very okay. big place. No. Like you, dr- like, you can drive one end of it to the other in, what, five minutes? Yeah. Kind of thing. So, yeah. yeah, not a very big place. So anyway, videos start circulating of these ostriches <laughs> roaming the streets and whatnot. The the one that really got it got around was uh, this one ostrich that got on uh, one of the main highways in Alberta, mm-hmm. and you have uh, RCMP, which are like your state officers. Basically, there are federal police force here in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mounties, I guess that's my that might be how people know them more as, um, are like chasing around like these ostriches in their vehicles. And the video that's going around though was this one where this guy like reaches out the like the passenger window and basically like clotheslines this yeah. ostrich's neck. <laughs> like yeah. tries to grab him by the throat, basically, and it just lodges the ostrich to the ground, but gets up and like walks off kind of thing. Yeah. So, that's so the, the guy that's did the that and then had around. no follow-up plan of like, okay, now I gotta get yeah. <laughs> out of the vehicle with a little bit of haste. And, you know, do some cattle roping. Again, that's probably another reference that is flying over the people from Orange County. Oh, no, th- no, there's no, there's there's farms in that in Orange County. But, um, yeah, I don't know if there's like rodeos, though. Oh, maybe. I don't know. Eh, good. Anyways, uh, anyway, you know, <laughs> tie up, subdue in some way this ostrich that you've now clotheslined yeah. and tackled to the ground. <laughs> Um, it very quickly spread around. We like I had a buddy who lives like five, six hours north, um, which is the great thing about the internet. Uh, mm-hmm. like messaging us in like this massive group chat that we have. <laughs> like, did you guys see this? And I was like, oh my god. Um, unfortunately, one of the ostriches did die. However, the mm-hmm. nineteen of the twenty were corralled and brought back to the farm. Uh, for those wondering, the one ostrich that got hit. Or that that died uh, got hit by a car, and yeah, they were just, just like running across the highway, <laughs> like they were. I could just imagine yeah. the how many people in the in the world do you think can say like, unfortunately, yeah, I've hit an ostrich with my car. <laughs> yeah, like where in, they in Canada, aren't running, in Canada, probably not many. Yeah, like where they aren't running wild, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> where, where are ostriches even native to? Do you know? I'm not sure offhand. You just Google ostriches and like all the articles that come up are like about police trying to wrangle these ostriches. 
Um, I love it. Oh, holy shit. Okay, this, no wonder this was such a problem. The common ostrich can run at speeds of up to 70 kilometers an hour. Okay, so what's that for miles? For, for miles, yeah. Um, essentially, it's like highway speeds in within the city. Um, <laughs> per hour, two miles. Um, 40, 43 and a half miles per hour. Jesus. <laughs> so they're, it's, it's, they're, they're tough to catch. Like they, like they're you can't just, workers. yeah, like you can't just, like they're, they're, they would get a speeding ticket within the city if they were a vehicle, right? <laughs> like incredible. So like you gotta, you, you can't just like chase it on foot, obviously. And like you're zipping through residential neighborhoods at highway speeds <laughs> trying to catch these ostriches. Damn, that's insane. Um, anyways, we're looking up where they are native to. Yeah. Um, Africa. The common ostrich is native to, uh, Africa, like sub-Saharan Africa and the Somali ostrich is native to the horn of Africa. Like, I know we have a lot of animals in Canada, at least that like aren't native to here. Like horses aren't native to here. Mm -hmm. Like, Who's the fucker that just decided, you know what, I need to bring my ostrich. <laughs> yeah, right? I need to bring my ostriches to North America. And like, also, what <laughs> who decided that? What, what do ostriches provide? Like, I'm assuming in Africa there would be like the equivalent of like turkeys, you know, where like you could raise them for I, meals, I, I, maybe. Do I don't not know. know. I do um, not know. All I know is just don't piss one off. (laughs) Eat ostriches? (laughs) Ostrich meat is becoming a part of it. Yeah, I mean, I guess. I guess you can also eat ostrich eggs. Can you ride? Okay, actually, no, that one I think I have heard before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's not like Uh, a North American thing, but I think I have heard that. Yeah. Ostrich riding is available and even a common tourist pastime. In countries like South Africa, um, okay, that one I have heard, yes, yeah, but like for Canada and uh, an American <laughs> general, what's the what's the purpose of an ostrich of having an ostrich? You know, like I'm not sure. What do you do with an ostrich? <laughs> <laughs> like you're, in Canada, <laughs> your your browser right now is just like the fuck is what? this guy on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like the, I might get a call from the uh, the FBI or the CIA being like, they, "What are you What are you doing with ostriches? Do you have we We need to have a warrant out that we need to search your backyard for ostriches." Um, ostrich meat, leather, and feathers have a high commercial value. Huh. Ostrich farm, Canada. Um, can you farm ostrich in Canada? Here we go. This is for Ontario, but what what do Ontario farmers use ostriches for? Eggs, it seems like. Okay. Yeah, that's kind of the... And like petting zoos, but they're like the one animal, don't pet this thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> view view them from afar. Yep. There's a, there's yeah. a fence around the fence because of their long necks. <laughs> 
Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, this is just an article about one guy who's selling ostrich eggs in Ontario. Huh. Ontario, Canada, that is. So. All right. There we yeah. go. So, <laughs> I mean, we, we still don't really know why they were here, what they were doing, but they escaped and it caused chaos and it was hilarious. Yeah. If, you, if you'd like to see a funny well okay no actually you know what no i guess we've i guess i've called out uh the challenge for Peta here uh on the show before anyway um yeah if you if you want to feel bad as you're laughing and an ostrich get fucking clotheslined by a, a cop uh <laughs> you can easily go find that video on uh, on social oh, media <laughs> oh yeah ostrich alberta is ostrich canada Tabor. Any one yeah. of those would get in there if you if you don't think you're gonna remember Tabor. Just Alberta, yeah. Canada, whatever. That's all you gotta search. Yeah. So or ostrich escape. It, it, it's out there, anyways. So yeah. <laughs> um okay, really quickly before we end off here, I have a question for you, Nate. All right. Would you rather oh God. <laughs> be chased by a um what's the word for it? Like a cat like a predatory cat like a like a, a large cat like a panther tiger lion okay would well, take your take your pick any any large cat okay. or an ostrich ostrich because apparently you can clothesline those fuckers <laughs> yeah but, but like you're being chased by them there like it's coming for you yeah quick stop race it's about to get you <laughs> i don't know man like I feel like with a, a cat, like a tiger or a cheetah or anything like that, you could appeal to its um, like cat-like domesticated instincts. I don't think know? so. <laughs> yeah, no, like if... Not a wild one, at least. <laughs> well, yeah. Well, like one that was like, not like the, like the most wild one, but like one that had been like around people generally like has seen people like not like in a zoo like not like a domesticated one but say like a a tiger in africa who lived on a common tourist route and was used to like the noise of the the people coming by and like their carts and uh, eventually got comfortable enough to come up to people and you know sniff and stuff like that but then one day it decided to chase you I'm still not taking Did, my chances. No, no, no way in hell. I'm still not doing it. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> you could, uh, if, if you happen to have a laser pointer on you, you could appeal to to that or like you grab a, <laughs> like one of those big, like those big, big leaves. Like a, I think they're called like a monstera leaf or, or something like that. And you could like dangle it in front of it and it would lay down and like scratch at it or something like that. All right. I propose a scientific test okay you go get fucking chased by a panther and i will go get chased by an ostrich and we will see who lives to give the results of said test potentially neither one of us the podcast <laughs> might just cease to exist but so if it ever just you get radio silence from us that's what happened but um i don't know i feel like you you could pull some scooby-doo shit if you were getting chased by one of those large cats <laughs> You, you could turn it into from like a I'm going to eat you chase into like a oh let's just play and have fun kind of thing. 
Like you could distract it in some way, even if it's like, I don't know, getting like just just tripping somebody else. Then the cat would be like, oh, well, this is easier. I'm just going to go for this one instead. But with an ostrich, if an ostrich was chasing you, it's got like a vendetta for you. Like it's got a grudge where it's like it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you, you, you know, make it laugh or, or you tackle it and then get into a tickle fight with it or you, you, you could trip it and you could try and distract it with, I don't know, plants or whatever ostriches eat. It's coming for you. It's it's going out of its way to hunt you down. So I, I think I would. All right, you, I, I you wouldn't stand you, a chance against either one of them, but the odds are ninety nine percent point nine or ninety nine point nine percent death against a cat, like a large cat, and a one hundred percent chance of death against an ostrich. Okay, you know what? Let's uh, let's ask the Calgary Zoo if they'd be willing to let us test this uh, because they do have ostriches at the Calgary Zoo as well. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so, uh, yeah, we can, we can ask, we can, we can ask the Calgary Zoo, hey, will you let us test, um, between a, I don't know, let's pick a, let's pick a jaguar and an ostrich. <laughs> hmm. Yeah. <Jeez. laughs> this is, um, uh, lastly here from Quora.com. The non-hockey shit that we talk about on the show. <laughs> I know, it's, it's wild. We, we had a lot of hockey conversation for... The first bit so now we're just having fun <laughs> so on quora.com somebody asked how many people are killed each year by unlikely animals so this is open-ended question for unlikely animals the top response lists a few different animals but the first one they say are ostriches and these birds kill about seven people every year which isn't a lot but it's more than you would think yeah so how many? Or here, let's go. Um, jaguar. It said that jaguar deaths per year, and then we'll and then we'll wrap up. Jaguars, average of twenty four deaths per year. So like, yeah, it's more, but it's not that many more. It's not like oh, thousands of people are killed by jaguars every year, and then only seven for ostriches. Like, I mean, that's quite a, that's quite a bit more. Well, yeah, but like I, in my mind. I was that's like another like it's like that's like three and a half times as many people if I'm doing that math right off the top. No, of my yeah, head. you're right. <laughs> no, it is, it is, and it's still tragic that 24 people die from a jaguar every year. But like, in my mind, it was okay. Jaguars kill <laughs> thousands of people every year, and ostriches only seven. <laughs> Panthers 27. Um, oh no, wait. This is how many. This is how many panthers are killed each year. Okay. Um, oh my God. People deaths per year by panther. <laughs> what? Why is it giving me? The, yeah. I don't know. What, it doesn't matter. What has this show become? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyways, let us know in the comments <laughs> if you would rather be chased by an ostrich or a large cat. Uh, and you know what? I'll just start the wrap up because I don't know yeah, how much it. more self we can go on this episode. Um, <laughs> if 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 you want to just you know secretly let me know that yeah, Carter is absolutely fucked getting chased by the cat compared to me or anybody else by an ostrich. Uh, you can message me on Twitter at Tate Namas T A T E N H O M A S, or you can just publicly tweet it at me, and I will tag Carter in it anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
Yeah, that works too. <laughs> uh, if uh, if you think I'm in the right here, or actually, you know what? Better if if anybody has ever um, been chased by an ostrich or had an experience <laughs> with an ostrich, or you know what? Even if you've just eaten ostrich and meat otherwise, let us let us know. Let, if anybody has any more info on ostriches. Just in general, I would love to hear it. At Carter underscore Potts, P-O-T-T-S underscore 97. Thank you guys very much for tuning in to this roller coaster of an episode where we went from firing Dallas Eakins and how much the Ducks suck to ostriches. Um, thank you very much. Go Ducks, go. We will see you next time.